was planning on preaching on something completely different today. I had basically everything prepared and about to send my outline to the office, and the, the news came in, and as I've been absorbing this, just realized, okay, I can't preach on this other topic from Proverbs. We'll put that on the shelf. We'll, we'll come back to that, and that'll be fine. But I just I couldn't see myself preaching on this uh, today. I know we don't uh, usually uh, shift our sermon and have it you know, match whatever is going on in the news. And uh, you, there's a time and place for that. If we did that every week, it would always be just on whatever's in the news instead of what God's Word has for us. Uh, giving us the full counsel of God's word. But this is such a big deal uh, to see um, the thing that happened on Friday, uh, which if somehow you have been in a cave for the past uh, few days, uh, what happens is the Supreme Court handed down their ruling in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Whitman uh, Health Organization. And not only did they uphold the Mississippi law that was the cause of this, but also the Supreme Court's uh, reversed Roe versus Wade, uh, and along with that, other decisions that had followed up and backed that up as well. Uh, Roe versus Wade, which had uh, forced abortion to be legal in every state in the United States. Now, as we'll talk about, this does not mean that abortion is just gone. It doesn't mean that abortion has ended or even that it has been made uh, a, a illegal or that it's been done away with, but it is a huge step forward and at least lets the, uh, puts the power back into the states uh, to decide. And there's some states that have already uh, enacted things. There's others that have taken the opposite view. Uh, but this is a huge uh, game changer. And this is something that, I mean, there's people that have been praying for this uh, for, for, for 50 years. It's been almost 50 years that it's been on the books. So realizing, okay, we, we need to talk about this. And we're in Proverbs. And immediately I started to think, what wisdom is there for us in the book of Proverbs? Uh, There's all kinds of places in Scripture. And back in January, when we had the series Life is is Good, and Pastor Nick and I spent time talking about this, we looked at a lot of different passages. And I hope you will go back and view those sermons. When we prepare those, we did those uh, in mind to make that a lasting resource that you can use to... Uh, have yourself, your mind freshened uh, with these arguments, with the reasons and rationale uh, for the, the position that affirms life. Uh, but I thought, okay, looking at the book of Proverbs, and, and just immediately, several just came to mind right away that God is speaking to us and has wisdom for us for this present moment. And I started writing those down, and then I, I, I went outside. There's the tables out there. It was a nice day, and I took my Bible, and I, just, I read through Proverbs again and look for what other wisdom is there for us for this present moment, for this time uh, right now that is after Roe v. Wade moving forward. And how do we need to respond? And how do we need, we as, as Christians, as the church, uh, how should we be guided by Scripture moving forward? So I came up with uh, nine principles here. We'll have to go through some of them uh, very quickly. And I drew, pulled these all from uh, the book of Proverbs. And the first one we'll get at, and by the way, I found this uh, graphic online. This is not Photoshopped. This is a uh, baby and an ultrasound, and it is given the thumbs up. So I thought that is appropriate. This baby, I think, is very happy about the decision because it's going to mean a lot uh, potentially to babies and like, uh, like him or her that are on the screen. 
Uh, so a good day for babies. But the first thing I just thought about is we should praise God that justice was done. It is a time to, to rejoice. It is a time to be glad. Proverbs 21.15 says, uh, When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. And so what we see is that this is something that is, it is good for us to take joy in this. I'm saying not, not gloating in front of people, but taking a genuine joy in this and giving uh, credit where credit is due. And yet, at a human level, there are all kinds of people that have been a part of these, these efforts, uh, uh, you know, volunteers at pregnancy resource centers, people that have persuaded neighbors, uh, people in the political levels, all kinds of things. But ultimately, we give our praise to God for this because he's answering prayers that uh, people have been praying, I and mean, some of you have been praying for, for, for decades. And many who uh, worked for this uh, never saw this day, and, but their, their work has caused this uh, time to come to pass. Uh, most, I think, n- never really thought we would actually see this day. That it'd be kind of one of those, uh, you know, Lucy and the football from Peanuts, you know, every time, you know, uh, it could happen and Lucy, you know, takes the football away. Uh, it's like, ah, disappointed again, uh, but it's actually happened. And I think we recognize this is an act of justice, of true justice, and we should be glad for that. On just the constitutional level, even if you're not looking at what is just morally right and wrong and what should be, I think even constitutionally, you have to admit this was the right thing to do legally. Because if you actually read the Constitution of the United States and the amendments to it, there's nothing in there that mentions abortion. There's nothing that even comes close to that. This was a a fabrication uh, that the Supreme Court in 1973 uh, just made up uh, using their, uh, what they believe, superior wisdom to just force this on the entire country. And it was uh, an invented right based on other invented rights and things that are not actually in the Constitution. And the job of the Supreme Court justices is to interpret the Constitution. What does it actually say? What's actually there? Not just what do you think is right or what do you want to be there, but what does it actually say? And then, of course, lawmakers can decide other things, you know, as well. Of course, there's a parallel there as well to how we should interpret, you know, the Bible you know, do you interpret this in a way that, uh, well, I'll, I'll pull out of this whatever I think should be in here, wherever I want to be in here, or do you care about what does the text actually say, and what is the, what is the actual meaning uh, from the person that, that wrote this? And so, if the conservative view is, you no, know, what is actually written is what you need to go by. So, just constitutionally and illegally, and even some people that uh, are okay with abortion, have recognized, yeah, it, this really wasn't something that you could really derive from the Constitution. But more importantly than that, uh, it's, uh, it's justice because uh, abortion is a moral wrong. It's, it's a moral evil. And some people will say, well, that's just your, your, your theology, your beliefs. No, I, my Christian theology and our biblical beliefs do back this up and uh, ground us and let us know that. But even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe in God, there are atheists that are pro-life because it can just be good sound moral reasoning to recognize that this is an innocent life that is in the womb and it shouldn't be killed. That abortion is morally wrong because it is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. And this is a, a 
basic statement that we used in the, the other series. I wanted to just refresh us with this because this gets at why abortion is morally wrong. And this is even before even looking at Bible verses. It's an innocent human life. This is not a, a death row criminal that is in the womb that has you know, been a serial murderer, okay? And it's not just a, a lump of tissue. If abortion was just about having a mole removed, okay, or a tumor removed, then a lot of the uh, rationale that people use would be fine. That, okay, it's your body, it's your choice. But if this is an, an innocent, it's a human being, it's a whole separate life, this changes everything. And it's just justice to realize that you can't kill an innocent human being. You can't intentionally do that. And as Christians, further, we know that because Scripture tells us that. That to in, kill an innocent human being, that's, that's murder. That's what that is. And also, we learn from Scripture that these children, they're created in the image of God. That's you know, the ultimate reason why killing a human being is such an awful thing. Now, if, if you don't uh, you know, believe in God, you could still recognize that, okay, we're different than you know, plants and other animals. But as Christians, wow, we're in a whole different category. And that baby in the womb, not a blob of tissue. Not, I heard one person just call it pregnancy tissue. That's a baby that's created in the image of God from the moment of conception. And for dignity, value, and worth. And therefore, we need to value human life from the moment of conception until all the way through life. And we care about that. We've been talking about that. But they're in danger in the womb, and it is worth our, our attention to this. And so it is a good thing that uh, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So it is a good time to have joy. There are those of the culture of death that uh, this is not a good time for them. They are not uh, uh, pleased by this, obviously. And I, I pray and hope that hearts would be turned. If you are not convinced of this yet, I hope that your heart will be turned. There's a lot of misinformation that's out there. Sometimes people that haven't thought about this and thought it through. And we're going to see one of our jobs is to not just gloat and take victory laps, but to help persuade other people to realize uh, why uh, affirming and upholding and protecting life is, is good. It's time of joy. It's also a, I have mixed emotions. And it's a time of sorrow, too. When you think of the fact that, and look up with the numbers, Roe v. Wade was on the books for uh, almost 50 years, 1973 and until Friday. And during that time, the number of babies that were aborted, uh, 63 million in America. Just wrap your heads around that. 63 million babies. That averages out to over 1,200,000 a year. 2017 was a low for abortions. It had been trending down. After 2017, it started trending up again. And one figure that, that hit me, uh, the latest uh, year that we have statistics for is 2020. These are coming from the Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-abortion uh, institute, but their numbers are trusted by both sides basically comes out to, in 2020, one out of five pregnancies ended in abortion. One out of five. 20 out of every 100 children were not allowed to see the other side of, of the womb. 
it's just staggering to think of that amount of loss of life. I, would there be 63 million more people alive in our nation if Roe v. Wade had never uh, been enacted? You know, it's hard to say that for sure, I realize, because uh, we don't really know that for sure, because if we didn't have Roe v. Wade, you know, how much did that change people's practices? How much did that increase sexual irresponsibility among people? Because the attitude of some people has been, I'm not saying everyone, but the attitude of some has been, well, you know, have your fun, you know, do your thing, and if you have a whoops, you just have an abortion. So how much of, you know, those... Would there have been more, more responsibility? We know it wouldn't have been across the board. But 63 million. And to put that locally in 2020 in, in Michigan, 27,629 abortions performed in Michigan in, in 2020. You know, we rightly grieve when we hear of traffic accidents where children are killed. We rightly grieve when we hear of school shootings but we can't even imagine something on, on this level. If the, the children that were in schools, if 27,629 children were, were, were killed at school, if... So it's a time for sorrow. It is also a time for joy, though, because there's mixed emotions both sides, but a good thing has happened, but there's still a lot of work left to do. So the second point, continue to strive to protect all unborn human lives. I'm sorry for the popping here. There seems to be some short in the microphone. We want to continue to, to do this work. As we've seen, there is a, uh, a lot left to do. Uh, this does not make abortion uh, just go away. Uh, the hearts of many people are still very much in favor of this. What the end of Roe v. Wade did is it sent a, uh, issues abortion back to the states. So different states can make their own laws on this. Some states already have trigger laws in effect uh, that will cause abortion to be uh, eliminated or at least uh, severely curtailed, uh, if, if not completely uh, eliminated. Um, other states that might be in, in the works. Unfortunately, there are other states that in preparation for this have put very lenient laws in place. Uh, some states, you know, giving uh, the, the right in that state to abortion, you know, to the moment of birth, you know, for a nine-month, you know, healthy baby, and you could still abort that baby in, in some states. And I've seen things on the news, maybe you have too, of governors from some states saying, come to our state for an abortion. I've seen some companies yeah, that are advertising, here's a, here's a perk for their employees. If you get pregnant, we'll fly you to another state and pay for your abortion. And I think, how horrible is that? And I think just how callous that is, too. It's like, oh, I'm sure that's a lot cheaper for you than paying, uh, you know, maternity leave. Um, but just how wicked that is. So we see that there's a lot of work uh, to be done. In Michigan, the situation currently, uh, if you're wondering is there's a law that's on the books from 1931 that does outlaw uh, abortion, or at least for, uh, I think it's, except for uh, if the, the mother's going to die or some very slim uh, circumstances. Uh, but there's debate on it right now. It's being held up in court. 
Uh, at least as far as I understand that the courts have put a preliminary injunction on it to keep it from going into effect until there's a further ruling on it. So right now in Michigan, okay, Roe v. Wade is done, but uh, abortion continues here. And Governor Whitmer has said she is not going to enforce this. She's going to fight against it. She's going to fight to keep uh, abortion, abortions happening uh, in the, the great state of Michigan. We think of Proverbs 24, 10 through 12, and realize how much this continues to apply to us. It says there, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. And if you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Uh, this is telling us that we, we have a job to do. We need to care for those that are being led away to the slaughter. We need to intercede. We need to help. And verse 12, I think, is a big deal. We, we have no excuse to say, well, I just, I don't know about this. I didn't know what was going on. And we have even less excuse because it was, well, many people used the excuse before that, well, it's the Supreme Court. What can we do? And there were still lots of things to do, but even more so, uh, it is important now to be involved in this as it returns to the state levels. And there is more opportunity uh, for, for good things to happen, for good progress to be made. So there's work to do. This doesn't end anything as far as uh, abortion uh, here. The whole issue isn't over because of this. In many ways, it is just getting started. And the real work that we need to be doing uh, to create better structures, to change hearts, to change minds, to come alongside people in positive ways is just getting started. Roe has been overturned, but now hearts need to be turned. And that's what we need to work for. That's what we need to be praying for as well. It's not enough just to overturn Roe v. Wade. And it wouldn't just be enough to just over change a bunch of laws, although they should. But we also want to see hearts turned. Third piece of wisdom. Be wise with your words. Okay? Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Think about what this proverb is saying, that sometimes we use our words and it is like a sword thrust and not in a good way. They're the words that are, are doing damage, sharp words, damaging words. And are the words that we say with our mouths during this time, are the things that we post on social media, that we say around friends, uh, in all these different ways, what is going to be the effect of your words? Will it bring, uh, will it bring, uh, will it do harm to others? Will it do harm to their thinking? Or will it help bring healing? So when you say something, when you go to post something, when you go to repost something, you need to think, what is going to be, what, is, what do I hope to accomplish with this? What is the effect that I think this is going to have? There's times where uh, right now there's people that want to take the victory lap. They want to gloat or they want to, you know, stick it to the other side. Think about what will be the actual effect that your word has. Is it actually going to help or is it going to cause somebody else to become further entrenched in their position 
because of the way that we say it and the harshness. Now, it does mean that there is a time to speak up. And there's a lot of other Proverbs, and I mean, we'll do one on communication or conflict later on, uh, to know when to talk, when not to talk. There's a lot of times you have to choose. Is this a good venue for this? Who is this person? Is this going to do any good? Who's listening in? And what effect will this have on the listeners? But we need to use wisdom in thinking about things. Uh, will it hurt or will it actually help? Four, Proverbs informs us, reminds us to pray for our government leaders. I'm drawing this, we, we know this from other places in Scripture that specifically tell us to pray for our leaders. Uh, but even in Proverbs, here's a principle why we should pray for our leaders. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. The king may think that he rules the land, that his, his will is supreme, but this is saying that there is a greater king and his heart is in the hand of the Lord. And, the heart of the, and that God can, and does in, can intervene and he can change that person's heart. And you see examples of that in Scripture. You can see examples of that in, uh, in some politicians. We wish we'd see it more often, uh, but it does happen. We see it in the lives of, you can see it in the lives of friends, and maybe you've recognized how God has turned your heart. And if God can do this, we need to be praying that God, by his Holy Spirit and, and all the means that he would use, would change the hearts of people. Those that are uh, adamant about uh, supporting uh, abortion uh, throughout pregnancy or at all these different levels that are so uh, bent on this, pray that God would soften their heart. Pray that God would help them to see that the unborn are, are human beings that are distinct human lives to be cherished, to be loved, to be protected. Pray that God would just open their eyes, that they would have conviction, and that they would repent and, and, and turn and see this. And if this is true of kings, we think, oh, they're the ones that have the big, you know, all the authority. Well, it's true of your neighbor. It's true of your friends. It's true of that person you know, online that you know has been posting, you know, all these different things. You know, the, especially the past few days, you know, just venting on this. And you're going to have to decide, you know, is a response to that person going to do any good, or is it just going to inflame things? But you can pray for that person. Pray that God will uh, soften their heart. And, and it may not happen one day, but uh, it is effective. We need to be doing it. So be praying for all of those. Pray for the hearts of, of all Americans. If God can change a king's heart, he can change everyone. And it's not just about the laws change. We want people to, to value life to care about it. The next thing is we need to be appropriately engaged in the political process. Something we can do. Proverbs 28.4, I think, kind of relates to this. Uh, for those who forsake the law, here's talking about God's law, uh, praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. And so one of the ways we strive is not, not physical fighting, not doing that, but uh, there's appropriate ways in the political process. And so uh, there can be you know, there's uh, rallies, there's different things. We see uh, voting, obviously, is huge. Elections have consequences. And I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you that there's one political party that always does what's right. And not, but this is a huge thing to take into account when you vote. 
Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge thing. And if we think of, okay, who is the, the ruler of our country? You think, well, that's the, the president and all these people. But guess what? We put them into office. And so it's government by the people. So how we're involved in this and how we vote does matter. We can't just say, well, that's on them. It's on us, too, based on how we vote and how we're a part of this. And so we want to encourage our leaders. We want to vote for the right ones. We want to uh, be engaged in this. There's going to be a lot of, we're going to have to see, you know, proposals that are coming down. It's going to be more local in Michigan. And, you know, persuading our uh, neighbors, being involved in things in the right way, in helpful ways, uh, to hopefully both change hearts and minds, but to enact good legislation uh, that will uh, help protect human lives and to get rid of bad legislation that is detrimental to human lives. So be involved. Government is not the Savior. We always have to keep that in mind. Okay, Jesus is the Savior, and we're not going to have anything perfect uh, government until Jesus returns and rules on this earth. But we should be a part of things uh, in the right way in the meantime. Six, be persuasive with your words and ways. And I want to spend some time talking about this. Uh, Proverbs 16.23 says, The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious. Okay, so it's, it's right, it's correct. And adds persuasiveness to his lips. So we're not just saying things that, well, they're true, but we're also seeking to be uh, persuasive in what we say. That means we're trying to use our, our words, and I think our ways too, because it's also how we do things, in a way that will actually help change someone's mind, to change someone's viewpoint. And right now in our society, so much it's there's people in this camp and people in that camp, and we just hate each other and we just throw grenades back and forth. But instead, what we need to do is be ambassadors for the truth. We need to be people that are working to, to persuade and to help other people to come along and, and to have their eyes open and to realize the truth. So this means... Uh, both how you do things, how you say things, and how you love other people, that's going to be a big factor, but also equipping yourself to know how to interact with other people. This doesn't mean that you need to be a keyboard warrior, okay? Uh, there can be a time and place for that, uh, but there can be even more effective times, you know, with uh, your family members, with your children, you know, helping them to understand this, you know, in the right way. But friends, other people, even coworkers, there can be a right time and a right place uh, to help other people to really understand what this is all about. So we think of that. Uh, part of that, you know, right now I'm noticing there's a lot of, well, for one, just false claims that are all over the Internet. And some people claiming, oh, this decision means uh, just everything. Well, some people think it means that right now all abortions are outlawed or some things that are a lot of scare tactics. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, seeing things, uh, people uh, that have been led to believe that, uh, that mothers are going to be put in jail for miscarriages because a miscarriage is referred to as a spontaneous abortion. That's a medical term. It means abortion in the sense that the, the pregnancy has stopped, but a miscarriage, a spontaneous abortion, that is a completely different category than intentionally aborting your child. No pro-lifers at all think that uh, a spontaneous abortion or a miscarriage would be something that we would hold a mother in any blame for. I mean, that's just a thing that biologically, naturally sometimes occurs, and we grieve with those moms, and we... Uh, 
have sorrow for them. No one wants to see anybody uh, punish or hurt in any way for, for that. But those are some things that are being pushed, and some people are confused, and some people are intentionally confusing things as scare tactics. I've seen some talk about uh, we're going to let just women with ectopic pregnancies die. This is something we talked more in depth in the Life is Good series, that there are certain times uh, where the type of pregnancy, uh, there's something that has gone wrong, where it is a certainty that the baby is not going to survive this, and unless there's something done, that the mother will die as well. And in that case, it's not an abortion in order to abort the child, but it is a necessity to save the life of, of the mom. These are very rare, uh, but most pro-lifers would say that is not considered immoral either because if it's actually done for that reason, not one of these where it's, people use the phrase the life and health of the mother, and that sounds good until you realize that they interpret the health of the mother to mean uh, emotional health as well. So if you can tell a doctor, you know, this baby will make me feel bad. Well, there you have your reason. Uh, so you have to watch it when they say life and health of the mother. And, but when it's actually something about, like, the mom will die, that is a different category. But I think the kind of the main thing that we need to focus on is to help people uh, think about what is the main issue. And the main issue is what is it that is in the womb? Is this a tumor? Is this a blob of tissue? Or is this a living human being, an innocent living human being? Because if you recognize that, that changes everything. And so many of the arguments that are out there, so many of the, th- the things that uh, people are posting and writing on Facebook and different articles, they don't make sense if you go to the main issue. And people will try to drag you into all these other side items and uh, these exceptions and, or rare cases, you know, but deal with the main issue first. What is it that is in the womb? And we recognize this is, uh, this is a human life, an innocent human life. We talked about this in detail in the other series. I hope you look at that. But remember, this, it is not an extension of the mother's body. Uh, the baby is in the mother's body, but it's not the mother's body. It has a different DNA, that, that boy or girl has a different DNA. It might be, have a whole different gender, sex, than the mom. Uh, it might have a different blood type than from the mom. And it has its different organs from really early on. This is a, it's a distinct human being. So yeah, if we're just talking about having a tumor removed, it would be a different issue. But there's an actual other person that is involved here. So you can't just say my body, my choice, because there's a different body, there's a different person that's involved. And so abortion is intentionally ending the life of an innocent human being. So I think as we persuade, you know, keep bringing people back to that. That is the main issue that people need to realize. And that's also why so many people, they'll do everything they can to not think of it as a human being, to not think of it as a baby, you know, fetal tissue or whatever it is, because they recognize that if you think about it for what it is, it makes it more imaginable and distasteful to realize, oh yeah, we shouldn't be killing that. That's why uh, people seeing ultrasounds have really changed a lot of things because you look at an ultrasound and you realize, oh wait a second, this isn't just a blob, this is a, this is a baby that's in there. And so we want to help people to understand, yeah, what is in the womb. One thing you can do is to ask them, how would you finish this? 
sentence. It's okay to kill an innocent human being when, how do you say that, when you can't afford it? Well, would that apply if you can't afford your toddler? When it becomes an inconvenience, when it reminds you of something that's unpleasant? You know, if uh, you know, my spouse left me and now my toddler, all these things, it wouldn't make sense if you think of this as a, it's a human being, it's an innocent life. Don't get sidetracked by the rare cases. And just as kind of a reminder on this, uh, there's some horrible things. I mean, obviously, rape is a terrible, terrible thing. And I would love to see rapists punished even more than they are. If anybody should be dying, it should be the rapists. Rape is reported as the reason for less than 1% of all abortions. Okay? And you're going to see it all the time. What about rape and all this? Really, okay, it's less than 1%. And the actual times that it's actually for the saving of the life of the mother is way less than 1%. Figures I have are 0.118% of all abortions. So you can say, even if you put those things aside, let's deal with all the other abortions, all the other things. You know, what would make it right for any of those type of things? And according to uh, research, again, by the Guttmacher Institute, the most, the vast majority of abortions are for socioeconomic reasons. The top two reasons that have been given are having a baby would dramatically change my life, and yeah, that it is. <laughs> Not going to argue there. Or I can't afford a baby now. And yeah, babies cost you know money. But you know what? There's ways that we can help people with that. There's ways to help. We're not a country that we let people just starve to death. Okay? And your community's not going to help you. We, that's not, we as a church, if we knew, we wouldn't let that happen. Um, yeah, it, it does cost money. But some of these reasons, so many of them are about uh, reasons where you say, is this really worth ending a, a innocent human life? No, it's not. So keep the main things in perspective. And again, a great question is, when do you think it's ever okay to kill an innocent human being? I hope people think through it in that way. Again, I encourage you to rewatch uh, the series Life is Good that Pastor Nick and I did, and I hope it will be helpful to you. And our goal is to make abortion not only uh, illegal by law, but just unthinkable. Long for the day that abortion is, we think of it like most of us would think of slavery. Like, how could we have ever done that? How could we have ever been a society that was okay with that? And we want to pray and work for the day that that will be the case. Also, and these last few, these are, are so important. And this next one is huge. We need to now continue even more to help mothers and children in difficult positions, in difficult situations. I'm not going to say we need to start doing that because I believe that we have. And there's a lot of people that make it seem that Christians haven't been doing things and they're not paying attention. But we need to keep doing it. We need to even up the game even more than this. And if we, as we pray that there are more children that are allowed to live, there's going to be more that need help. And we need to come alongside people. Proverbs 19.17 said, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. That's just a general statement about how it's good to help those that have uh, genuine needs. But notice it says, whoever is generous to the poor, it's saying this is a good thing, to be generous to them, to help them. 
And notice we're not just talking about have the government do it, but helping them as well from our pockets and from our, our sweat and our efforts. Uh, but it's saying that you lend to the Lord. You're not just giving to them, but you're giving to the Lord. You're doing this for him, to him. But then notice, it doesn't say whoever is generous to the poor gives to the Lord. It's saying lends to the Lord. Think about that for a little bit. Why is it saying that? And it says, and he will repay him for his deed. Because if you're just giving, you're giving it away and you're not going to get something back. This is telling us that when we are generous and we help those that are in genuine need, it's more like lending to the Lord than just giving because there's going to be a return on this. That God is going to repay you for your sacrifice. God is going to repay you for what you give up. And it doesn't mean necessarily that God is going to, you know, put money in your bank account to replace it. He might. Uh, but it means that he is going to repay you in ways that are even more valuable, even more lasting, even more rewarding in this life and in the next for eternity. So these are, when you help those in genuine needs, this is, this is a good thing to do on its own, but it's also an investment. It's, there's going to be a return on this. And it's to the Lord, and you're making him happy doing this. So we need to be looking to ways to do this. This means, be thinking about all these different ways. What could this mean? One obvious is to be supporting pregnancy resource centers. There are places that, uh, if you Google, like pregnancy resource centers in Michigan, man, there's so many, so many more than abortion clinics. There's more that, that care about lives than care about ending them. And we as a church, we support Alpha Women's Center of Barry County that's in Hastings and can think of ways that you can support them financially, that you can help them, that you can get involved. Uh, it'd be great to see more resource centers started up in places where if there isn't something like that. Also ways that uh, we as a church can come alongside people. So there's things you can do financially, volunteering. There are other things. It's some that I know that people in the church uh, have already done and others are Considering, too, there's foster care, adoption, being involved in these things. Some people say, oh, you Christians, you only care about birth. You don't care about them afterwards. I say, I'll give you a list of people from my church that have fostered children, people that have adopted children, other people that would like to, but our policies make it so difficult to do this, or the children aren't allowed to live uh, for this to happen. But these are huge things. Be thinking about this. Be praying about it. Um, and for the, even if you're not in a position to do that yourself, you know, come alongside. Help others that are willing to do that. You know, maybe there's ways that you can help another family that's willing to do that and you can give them resources that they would need to make that a possibility. There's so many different ways and it doesn't have to be through these specific things. Coming alongside and helping moms in difficult situations, you know, uh, personally, whether it's a family member, somebody in your community showing love, help, emotional support, guidance, financial help, helping them to find forgiveness and healing in Jesus Christ. These are huge things. I want to refer you back also to the message that Pastor Nick back, did back in January, Pro-Life and Practice where he goes through this in much more detail. But be thinking about this. How can you do that? Because really, we want to be, and I think we are, actually, we are pro-woman. Okay, we are pro-unborn child. We are pro-newborn. We are pro-child. 
That is really who we are. Now, there are things to the contrary that you see online, and I want to You've been seeing a lot of memes and different things, you know, those things people post on, online and get passed around. And I want to just think about this a little bit. This is one that I saw, and maybe you've seen it too. It says, if your morality, okay, your morality is deeply lacking if all you want is a child born, but not a child fed, not a child educated, not a child housed. That is not pro-life, that is pro-birth. Now, I guess on the surface, I would agree that is true, but this is meant to imply that pro-lifers don't want to do these things. And so in that sense, this is a slanderous thing, if that's what this is implying, uh, because pro-lifers do want these things, and we do do these things. But in order to do these things, an obvious thing is the child needs to actually be born first. You can't do these other things unless you allow the first step to happen of the child being born. And so we do, we want all these things to happen. But the child needs to be born first. And we do do these things. Uh, again, I refer you to how many Christians are involved with pregnancy resource centers. They're involved to helping others. Involved to helping family members uh, raise children that have made the good choice to keep their child even in a difficult situation. And have come so- alongside them and helped them uh, to do this. How many have done foster care and adoption uh, and even very taking uh, children with lots of different needs. You know, as a, a church, you know, we do care about these other things. You know, we support Baptist Children's Home, David's House, you know, Exodus Place for those that have made mistakes, you know, later on. We have people involved in the, uh, as, as teachers and uh, a lot of different ways and also just informally helping people. Further, if this meme is meant to imply well, okay, one of the things that what this is really meant to do is to kind of shame you that if you don't vote the way that you, they want you to vote, obviously you don't care. And so you need to vote for every socialist or progressive policy that's out there. And if you don't, then obviously you just hate p- kids and want to see them die. And, and that's bullying. You know, we should care about, you know, children after they're born when we do and we want to help them. Uh, and there is an appropriate place, you know, for you know, the government to be involved, okay, we, we get that. In a perfect world, everyone would just have personal responsibility. In a perfect world, you know, if needed, it, you know, church and family and the surrounding community would help out. And we recognize we don't live in that perfect world, and sometimes there's things that happen too. And so there's a place for good policies and different things, but also good Christians and good people can have disagreement about what policies are actually good, what actually helps, and what actually hurts. And so if you're using this as something to just bully into your specific policy, uh, you know, that's, that's the wrong way to look at this. And the reality is that Christians uh, and, and conservatives give more of their own money than any other group. Actually, I had some. Joel, could you bring me my phone real quick? I saw this at the last minute. Thank you, buddy. I didn't have time to put it in my notes, but I want to read this because I thought this was super helpful. This is from a recent survey. Uh, Conservative households donate substantially more money to charity than liberal ones. A 2018 Barna study found that practicing Christians outpace all other demographics in providing food to the poor, donating clothing and furniture to the poor, praying for the poor, and giving personal time to serve the poor in their communities and beyond 
U.S. borders. So let's keep that up and let's keep enhancing that. Uh, so again, there's a place for the government, but also what is your own pocketbook too? It's not all that noble just to vote to give away other people's money. Okay, some people do that and want to you know, give themselves applause. That, Ooh, I voted to give away other people's money. What about your own? So there's a place for both, but we need to use wisdom and what's actually going to be helpful. We're talking about memes. I want to give just kind of one more here. Uh, and again, this is another one that's intended in a different way, but let's think about this. Maybe you've seen this one. I've seen it from a few people. It says, I bet implementing mandatory child support at first detected heartbeat and requiring billing of their insurance for 50% of the resulting medical bill would change a lot of dudes' minds about women's choices. And so those are posting this are basically saying, you know, if, if the guys were held accountable for these kids, you know, I bet they'd feel different about this. And I think what they meant to say is they'd be more okay with abortion because they don't want to be on the hook. But there's another way of reading this where I'd say, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a huge problem that men are not taking responsibility for the offspring that they sire. This is a huge, big deal, and we need to be working to change that. And I'll say, I, w- I would not only, on the surface, agree with this, that they should be on the hook for that, but I'd say even more, that they should be on the hook for uh, committing to that mother to be committing to that children and before they even think about having sexual relations they should make a commitment saying that they're going to do that until death do you part so one of the things that we need to be doing as part of this is well one teaching our boys sexual responsibility and you know what you see this in the book of proverbs it's in a few different places if you're reading through proverbs like i hope you are you're going to encounter it and especially some long sections in proverbs 5 there's a long section in Proverbs 1 through, 1 through 20. We need to teach and show that God's design for marriage, for sexuality and children is good and beautiful and true. And these are all good things and they're, they're meant to, to go together. And we separate them, they don't work the way they ought to. In the same way, you can have different parts of your car that are good, but if you disassemble them, it doesn't work. And it's supposed to be that... Uh, marriage comes first and then sexuality and then you're going to have children after that. These things go together. In the book of Proverbs, and I have some of these, uh, if you haven't noticed in the back of your uh, bulletin, there's more scripture that is written. But in Proverbs 5, it starts, he's, uh, Solomon here is talking to his son, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So in this section here, he's talking about uh, pleading with uh, his son and those that read this, uh, saying, don't be going after sexual relations uh, that are not your wife, not a woman that you're married to. Whether it's adultery, whether it is going after a prostitute, whether it's fornication, don't be doing that. You're going to be enticed to do it. You're going to want to do it, but don't do this. Wisdom, God's word, what is right is you don't do this. And it goes on with verse 15. And remember the context here. It says, drink water from your own cistern. Okay? It's using kind of a metaphor here. Don't be getting it from somewhere else. Your own cistern. Uh, Flowing with water from your own well. 
Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So the girl that you married when you were both young, let her be the one that you uh, find your, that type of pleasure and that type of relationship. When it's in that context, it's good, it's holy, it's what God has designed. When it's something else, it is bad. We need to help people understand just the, the goodness of God's design and purpose for this. And obviously, so much of the dysfunction has happened because we've gotten away from all of that. And some people don't even understand that at all. And so, yeah, I'll say it starts with the boys. We need to teach our boys sexual responsibility. And not just, oh, I'll pay child care. We're, we're, talk- we're upping that quite a bit from that. That's pretty low. So what I want to say to the boys, and I've boys of my own here, there's other boys, there's other you know, men here as well, but what I will say is not just even a suggestion. I, I'm telling you guys, by the command of God, okay, not just my own thinking, but by the command of God, do not have sexual relations with a girl until she agrees to marry you and the two of you are legally and publicly bound to each other in marriage committing to each other and you committing to her to care for her, to provide for her and any children that may come from your union for as long as you live. And if that's the type of sexual responsibility that we had in our society and that men would take on, that boys would take on, this, this changes things. And girls, if he isn't willing to marry you f- first, he isn't worth being with. I mean, he doesn't really love you, not in a Christ-like way. He isn't ready for you. And so don't give it up for a guy who doesn't put a ring on your finger and publicly promise before God to sacrificially love you like Christ loved the church as long as you both shall live. You know, the passage goes on after this. Um, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And it talks about the, the wife like a lovely deer, a graceful doe. I'm not going to read the rest of it. <laughs> I'll let you read it, and I'll just say, it might become your favorite Bible verse. <laughs> but you don't even need scripture to know this is a good idea. Even statistically, there's something that's been identified, they call it the millennial success sequence. And that if you do these things in order, graduate from high school, get a full-time job, get married before having your first child. If you do that, the chance of you ending up in poverty drops so much. Uh, as far as the statistics that I saw, that um, 46% who don't follow that end up in poverty, and only 14% who do follow that order ever end up in poverty. Graduate from high school, get a full-time job, get married before having your first child. Finally, and this is the last one. We want to pray that God would have mercy on America and bless us with repentance. We pray God bless America, but what the re- blessing that we need is to be blessed with repentance. And we need mercy because we, we've killed 63 million. Okay? If God gave us justice, it would be hellfire and brimstone. It'd be all over but we're still in a day of mercy from God. Don't, 
take that for granted. And if you are here and if you have not found salvation in Christ, if you have not found forgiveness, and even if you realize that you have had an abortion, Jesus died for all sins, and we are all sinners across the board. None of us is righteous. None of us is perfect. None of us can stand before God. But the blood of Christ is enough to wipe away every sin. Repent, turn to him, embrace Jesus Christ as the one that died on the cross for you, and receive that forgiveness and be cleansed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for the good news that has come down with the change with Roe v. Wade. Lord, help us to live out your wisdom, not just to have it, but to live it out. Help us to guard our words, to know when to speak, when not to speak. Help us to be persuasive, to help change hearts and minds. Help us to come to you as the one who, by your spirit and by your word, can change the hardest heart, Lord God. So, Lord, give us as a country, give us mercy, Lord God, and bless us with repentance. And we pray and long for the day that abortion would be a thing of the past, that it would be just unthinkable and just an abhorrent thing, that we would come to have the same view of it that you have, Lord God. Let us value all human life, Lord, created in your image, and let us do what we need to do to be a part of protecting it and caring for it, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you for your promise of salvation for sinners like me, sinners like all of us, that will come to Jesus Christ, turning in repentant faith to him, receiving Jesus as Lord, as Savior, our sin-bearer, the one that paid for our sins on the cross. And so we give you praise, and in you we hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.